Beyond with Mike Kelton season three is brought to you by Happy Buddha Hemp. Happy Buddha Hemp has my all-time favorite CBD gummies that I literally cannot live without. All the details on my fave nightly treats and sick discounts are coming your way, Carol. But for now, let's get this episode started, shall we? He was a flapper in a past life. He's a comedian in this life. He's got a podcast about it. Everything he loves. Magic, magic, psychics, psychics, mediums, astrology. Hi, I'm Mike Kelton, and you're listening to... Hello? Carol? Carol? Are you there? Oh, there you are. Carol, it's Mike. And babe, we're back! I know it's been a minute, or like three years, but I'm genuinely really glad to be talking to this microphone right now, and my hope is that you're absolutely and securely strapped in for a wild ride. Over the past few years, I have gone back into the beyond and somehow found my way back home, back here, talking into this microphone where I get to share these batshit stories with you. And I'm not hyperbolizing. Okay, maybe a little bit. But Carol, this season, I'm taking you on a journey that spans space and time, from hauntings to hypnosis and even human design. And it all begins with something that up until a couple years ago, I knew nothing about. Well, besides the cultural references in shows like Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Charmed, and everyone's favorite Hocus Pocus. That's right. I'm talking about a hex. You might be thinking, this is just like a mean little spell. But as I've learned along my journey, a hex is now what you think it is. This episode reveals more about me than I might have been ready to share, and it's a side of myself that I've avoided until now. But before I get ahead of myself, let me set the scene for where we begin. It's summer of 2021. Andrew, my fiance, and I were sitting at the dining room table in our new Brooklyn apartment with mics in hand and looking at producer Tracy, who was ready to hear the story about the unfortunate events that led to our unexpected move. Ready? Yeah. Let's close our eyes. Let's close your eyes. Close your eyes, babe. Why? Close your eyes. Just just do it. Just do it. And you're going to hear from my fiancé, Andrew, in a bit, because I know you love Andrew and you want to hear from him, but just hold on a second. Let me give you the backstory for the main character of this tale, who we're going to call Maria. About five years ago, Andrew and I moved into a new Brooklyn apartment. Cue romantic Tuscan countryside background music. It was one of those garden units in an old extra-wide brownstone built just at the turn of the century. Like, the last century. It wasn't fancy or renovated by any means, but it had a ton of space, a private entrance, and a giant backyard that hadn't been tended to in over a decade. Which meant we could really dig deep into our homosexual tendencies and turn this dusty blank space 
into a lush gay palace. Lush gay palace. Sorry, I just wanted to say that again. Now, you might be thinking with all these lush gay plans, we bought the place. But no, honey. We're two gay men whose purpose on earth is to leave a rental property nicer than we found it. But it's true. We felt so comfortable in our creaky large living space that one might say we were in heaven. What could go wrong? One day, around our second week of living there, I was coming home from grocery shopping when an interesting older woman tending to her garden said hello. Well, she didn't really say hello. It was actually more of like, hi, can I tell you my life story? And I was like, sure. But the thing is, this is an energy I attract. People love pretending like I'm their therapist or long lost great nephew. Either way, I was obsessed. And I was legitimately like, is this woman my new best friend? And after at least 40 minutes of unburdening herself, I learned that Maria was actually my new neighbor and best friends with our new landlord, Tina. When I got home and told Andrew about her, he was not obsessed. The thing about Andrew is he doesn't talk to strangers, which frankly, I'm jealous of. Anyway, he was pretty clear and he told me not to talk to Maria. He knew that it would become a slippery slope and we would eventually be fully responsible for this woman's well-being. And the thing is, he was not wrong. One year into living there, Maria had become like a surrogate aunt. I would text her on snow days and see if she needed anything from the grocery store. And I would listen to her talk for literally hours in our front garden. And finally, after Andrew had the chance to warm up to her, a year and a half into living there, we had her over for dinner. She walked into our living room and rattled off some Greek phrase that means, you make a home beautiful. She sat in our kitchen eating Andrew's Alice Roman-inspired hummus, which is delicious, telling us all about raising her family next door in the 80s and 90s. As the relationship blossomed, like a real aunt, Maria started coming in hot with advice on our rental property. The front walkway, the entryway, and even our backyard, which honestly, I have to say, had truly become the lush gay palace we planned for. After planting and tending to the garden for two years, putting up fencing and furnishing the patio with some cute used outdoor furniture, it really was the moment. Well, besides one element, the floor. The backyard was just paved concrete mm-hmm. and it had been painted. It had been painted this like this beige color. Um, she goes, what is that? And it, it had been peeling up because underneath the beige color, it used to be green. Mm-hmm. And for first time listeners, this is my partner and resident podcast skeptic, Andrew. And so it was revealing this green. So it looked like mold or like algae or like it looked kind of um, nuclear, but it was just nuclear. paint was peeling. Yeah. And she was like, what is that? Oh, God. Oh, it's peeling paint. Oh, God. Well, why don't you paint it? And we kind of looked at her like... This isn't our job to paint the 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 patio here. Like that's, we're, we're not paying like, for that. We're yeah. renters. We're not paying for that. Like it's come also on, a concrete lady. ground in our backyard. We were like, whatever. And then she goes, Oh, well, you know, the landlady who's her friend, she'll pay for it. Let me call her. And then truly within like moments, we hear a knock on our door and on the front door, and she's there and she's like, Let me come into the backyard. Granted, this is COVID time, um, but she just shows up 
blazes right in and you know wearing a mask over her eyes in the wrong place <laughs> like just fully Come, like, I'm coming in <laughs> comes in and she's like let's paint this i'm gonna call the handyman he's gonna come on saturday and paint it let's pick a paint color and then so she goes to the the local ace hardware finds the outdoor paint and and then choose or the concrete paint and just like chooses a color she goes this she is, picks a color this is what he's gonna paint this is what he's gonna do and you know, it immediately triggered my anxiety around like, oh my God, that's not the right color, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I was like, you know what? It's going to look better than it was before. So let's just go with it. And so we went with it, which was a mistake because Maria picked a color I can only describe as construction gray. So a day later, after a very sweet man painted the entire thing, our lush green garden looked very much like a Costco. And lucky for you, I document everything on my phone. So here's Maria reacting to me telling her that some people on my Insta story don't like it. What I want to say is I don't really care what anybody thinks. I care what I think. And if I like it and I think it's gorgeous, it's gorgeous. And I don't care. Maybe you don't have taste. Maybe you have an ugly house. I have a gorgeous house and gorgeous taste. So once the rug is down, and the furniture's all around, it's gonna be gorgeous. And the people that said they didn't like it, they're gonna say, oh my God, it's so beautiful. So bye. Yep, that's Maria. I kept recording after she left to get mine and Andrew's real-time reaction. So you're slightly unhappy? Yeah. I have news for you, hun. I'm also slightly unhappy. And we were. We were slightly unhappy which is genuinely happier than most people living in New York at any given moment, so we moved the fuck on. And to make up for the new ugly floor color, we decided to invest in some more plants, a couple of rose bushes, because why not, and some new outdoor furniture, including a huge sectional. Which is why our slightly unhappy became more of an honestly who cares. And while we were busy honestly who caring, we got news that Maria had finally found someone to buy her brownstone for something like $5 million. Yep, $5 million, babe. Listen, we were thrilled for her. We heard how difficult it was for her to find the right buyers because Maria was very particular. But finally, after living in the building for decades, raising her family there, and eventually becoming a landlord herself by renting out the upstairs, she was finally at a stage in her life where she was ready to leave Brooklyn and move out to the Burbs to be closer to her family. A couple days after hearing the news, I got a call from my landlord, Tina, Maria's best friend. And this is a call I will remember for the rest of my life. So please enjoy this dramatic retelling of the call where I play my landlord and me, naturally. Hello? Hello, Michael? How's the weather in New York? Uh, are you eating? Yeah, chicken salad. Anyway, uh, you and Andrew have been amazing tenants, but uh, I need you out by July 1. Um, why? Well, you know, Maria, she sold her brownstone next door. Yeah, we're so happy for her. That's amazing. Well, actually, she needs your apartment now, so you guys got to be out by July 1. Wait, I, I don't understand. Well, if you don't understand, you can just call me back. That is literally the call. I froze. I literally felt insane. And I immediately called my rock, Andrew. Yeah, you were very emotional. 
and it was absolutely crazy. It felt like a huge betrayal. And then I was at home and I just started looking around at all the stuff that we had done, all the painting, all the light fixtures. We had just bought a brand new outdoor sectional that I took two hours to install outside by myself while you weren't home. And I just got so mad and just, I felt so betrayed and just frustrated. And you were very sad. Sad, very sad. I I was sad and then I got really fucking pissed. And here's the thing about me. I don't get this level of pissed very often. As toxic as it sounds, I can genuinely go years without getting this pissed. So when I am pissed, I am fucking unhinged. And it's safe to say, I was beginning to spiral. So you actually thought that her coming over for dinner that one time was her scoping out the apartment because she knew she was going to do this. And you thought that her painting the patio was her kind of priming the the for environment herself. for herself. And I don't think that's true. I think she was just being nosy. And then I think she was opportunistic when she sold her place and realized she would have nowhere to go, even though she bought, she told us, I think she bought three houses with the proceeds. You can hear now, it's like months later, you can hear now the remnants of like, how pissed I was. And so I was in such a dark place that I, you know, was seriously thinking about doing some dark things. <laughs> I know you would say that to me. You'd be like, is it okay if I, uh, if I maybe did something really bad? And then one time I saw you staring at the wall at the wall that connects our apartments because in New York, you the brownstones are, they share a wall. Um, and you go, I go, what are you doing? And you go, I couldn't do it. I'd hurt someone, a child. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? And you go, I'm thinking about sending a hex through the wall, but I'm afraid it would hit a kid. <laughs> and I, it was... It was, it's like, it was like one of those movies, those TV shows or something, those movies, where it's, it's like, it's children do that. Children, like, they, they lose themselves in thoughts, and then their parents have to say, what are you doing, Bobby? And Bobby goes, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking of, like, putting a tack on my teacher's chair. And you're like, wait, no, Bobby, don't do that. Like, but they're so lost in their thoughts, and it's like, childlike, that's what you were, like, staring at the wall. I really wanted to hex her. I really wanted to hex her. But before, before I actually, but here's the thing. I thought about hex. I also didn't know that much about hexing. I know that's, that's the other funny thing that I was like, you, cause you were almost checking yourself like you're about to hex at any moment. And I was like, what, what words are you going to use to hex? And Andrew was right. I didn't have the words to perform a hex, but just like the Sanderson sisters forging through the streets of Salem looking for the spellbook on Halloween, I desperately wanted to find those words. Now, Carol, let's level set. It's not that I feel the need to justify my foray into dark magic, but I'm going to because it's important to express how betrayed I felt by Maria. We would chat for hours in her front garden. I checked in on the woman on snow days, and we had her over for dinner. Andrew made hummus. The hummus! It was delicious hummus! I treated this woman like a friend. 
And how did she repay us? By convincing our landlord, her actual friend, that Andrew and I should be kicked out of our home so she could move into it. And what made it even worse? We couldn't even tell her how we felt out of fear that she would use that to convince our landlord to withhold our security deposit, which was two months of rent. So there I was, feeling like I had no other choice than to hex. Which is why, via recommendation from my good friend and resident medium here at Beyond, Asa Hoffman, I hopped on a Zoom with a real witch. Well, more specifically, a hexpert. Before we hear from a legit expert, I'm going to tell you about something I genuinely wish I had access to during this extremely stressful time in my life. CBD gummies from our presenting sponsor, the iconic Happy Buddha Hemp. These gummies have lowered my general anxiety and made any new pesky neighbors a little less likely to see the wrath of your girl. I'm literally so into them, I asked the kind people who run this company, Happy Buddha Hemp, if they wanted to come on board to sponsor this season of the show. They said yes, and now we're married. Just kidding. But we do love them, and I will be talking about them all season long, because I've taken these gummies every night before bed for the past couple months, and I'm feeling pretty dang great. Not only have they completely changed my sleep habits and lowered my general anxiety, but they're full spectrum, which means they have a tiny bit of THC in them, which is below the legal limit, Carol, so you can relax. Here's my suggestion to find the perfect dose. Eat a half first, one hour before bed, and see if you feel anything, and then the next night, take a full-ass gummy one hour before bed. Then you'll know exactly what to expect and how much works for you. That's what I did. And literally, my life is better than it was before. So head over to happybuddahemp.com and use the code BEYOND for 30% off your entire order. Again, it's happybuddahemp.com with the code BEYOND for 30% off all season long, which means you can use the code again and again. Okay, back to me learning how to hex my neighbor. My name is John Michael Salvato. I'm a, a 58-year-old uh, genderqueer fatuquiero, which means uh, problem solver. Um, you might say that, that uh, in the words of the late John Lewis, that, uh, that I am all about creating good trouble, which means restoring balance in the world and doing it through a magical lens. Instantly obsessed with John Michael. They went on to tell me about their magical lineage, which I can't believe I just got to say magical lineage. And so when I was growing up, I was, a you know, I was a kid, uh, a non-binary, uh, gender non-binary, sexually non-binary kid uh, who my aunts and grandmothers recognized um, early on as being different from a lot of my cousins. And um, they started teaching me at six. And, and in our in our tradition, if you're one of the ones that they kind of figure that out, Christmas Eve when you're six is is when they start to teach you. You learn the first kind of spell, uh, how, how you remove the malachia or the evil eye. Personally, I thought leaving cookies out for a jolly man flying through the air with his magical reindeer was a fun, witchy Christmas Eve ritual, but this sounded better. John Michael went on to tell me about their craft. The way that we, we see the craft itself, um, and, and I, I recognize that I'm using very Western terms, just because I think they're more relatable um, for us as Westerners to use them. So, so while we wouldn't call it the craft, we would refer to ourselves as fatuquiere, which means uh, problem solvers. 
Um, and so the way that we solve problems, the way that we approach imbalances in, in our experience is um, to, first of all, recognize that at the, um, at, at the subatomic level, at the, the most minute level, um, everything is energy and that there's, uh, as Einstein said in 1913, that there is this vast unquantifiable reservoir of energy um, that we don't know what it what it is or how it works, and he called it the zero point. Um, for for us, we believe that 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 um, source of energy um, begins in thought. Mm -hmm. So how we apply our magic is is to work with the energy around people and places and circumstances, situations, um, and shift that energy um, to restore what we perceive as balance or justice. Already vibing with this balancing of energy stuff. I went on to ask them to break down what a hex actually is. Um, you know, all we do as as witches, as Srega, as Fatukiere, is to work with the energy around people, places, things, circumstances, and shift them to our will. Um, so a hex and a blessing or a hex and a spell for something positive are exactly the same thing. We're working with the energy. We're shifting it to the outcome we want. You don't want somebody to steal your husband or your wife, um, you know, or you want that job is the same thing. You're working with the energy around those things, shifting them to your will. Part of our practice is something called senyatora, which are sigils that are done uh, for to really oversimplify it with your hand. There are gestures that are done. If you kind of think of, of like pop culture, witchcraft, bewitched, and um, or in in the modern day, um, the magicians does a fantastic job of using um, senyatora, um, where there are certain things that we do with our hands that um, send that energy out and shift that energy. We're we're really doing it with our mind. Our hand is just the physical expression of that. Mm -hmm. We also do what would look like more traditional spells where you take a piece of paper and you write a desired outcome and maybe put in some herbs or some, some plant materia, um, call the spiritual allies from the plant world or the old ones or the ancestors, fold it up, wrap it in red string if you're trying to protect or black string if you're if you're trying to um, uh, to to affect an outcome, you know, maybe keep that person away from me, kind of thing, um, and then either burn it, bury it, or or put it in moving water, you know, whether we, by hand or mouth or note with a black string. It was clear that John Michael knew what they were talking about, and before I explained my situation to them, I was curious to hear how these hexes actually played out, which led me to ask them. How does the energy move when performing a hex? Just think of it as a force. Um, and if a leaf is falling from the tree, from a tree, the downward spiral of that leaf is, is caused by gravity. But you could send a different force, which would be the wind. And as that downward spiral is happening, the wind may push that leaf to go sideways, um, horizontally. Um, that's what we're doing with that energy because energy is neither created nor destroyed. Mm -hmm. And at the core of, of our entire practice is a belief in essential unity, um, meaning that your energy and my energy are the same energy. We're made of the same stuff. And, and so this idea, this, this kind of distorted 20th century notion that our hexes can harm people, um, it could be used in childish kind of you know, malignant ways that, oh, I want to, I want to make them choke on their food. We would never in our tradition do that. 
because we because then we're bringing harm to another person. So now we're creating the the disturbance in in the universal energy. We're we're screwing up that love part of of who we are. Um, and now we're saying to somebody else, you better hex me because you know now I'm out of balance. In listening to John Michael, I was even more on board than I was before about performing a hex, especially because a hex, as long as it wasn't apropos of nothing, sounded a lot like justice to me. But before I got the deets on my own hex, I was curious to hear about a time that John Michael did a hex. And strangely enough, their story also has to do with an unfortunate event surrounding their rental property. And as a heads up, this story does contain some harmful language. And our landlord, he was replacing a lock on our front door. Um, and, and he had seen, um, you know, uh, Bernie Sanders stickers on our refrigerator, um, you know, was always making snide remarks. Um, and and my, my husband now, now husband, at the time we were just engaged, um, I was has has long on uh, young onset Parkinson's uh, has had five brain surgeries. So he has some mobility issues. And this guy started on this, you know, oh, well, you know, the the Democrats stole um, votes in the last election and they and they're going to steal votes in this election. And he's gone on and on. And I said, you know what? I don't need to hear your political diatribe. Um, I'm actually trying to work because because I have a home office. I'm trying to work. Craig is studying. He was in college at the time. Um, could you just change the lock and be on your way? And he starts getting, you know, rude and belligerent. And I went, I said, okay, so the lock, I waited till we finished, you know, with the lock, um, gave us the key and I shut the door. I said, okay, I'm done. I don't want to hear it anymore. Go away. And I shut the door on him. Then he starts banging on the door and he's faggot this and faggot that and and made a comment about um, you and that uh, and, and that gimpy um, blah, 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 um, referring to to my partner. And that was it for me. All I wanted him to do was go away. But now the anger of him having attacked somebody that I love was added to it. And he saw me come out, out of the door. Uh, my my elemental that I work with the most is fire. So I'm sure I was really hot at that moment, uh, really bringing the fire. He ran into the apartment next door um, where friends of ours were living. These these two young guys um, were, were living. And um, uh, he ran in the door and was getting ready to try and shut the door on me. And I did a particular gesture that's used to set somebody off balance and back them up because I didn't realize he was going to shut the door. I thought he was now going to come for me. And I did this gesture and it was like a friggin' television show. Um, first time in my entire life, I've never seen somebody else do this other than in special effects and Hollywood movies. He literally like went up in an arc from where he was back about three or four feet and then landed on his butt. Um, and I don't know which one of the three of us, the kid that was in the apartment, him or me, 
looked more stunned in that moment because I was, <laughs> I was like stunned. I, all I could think of was, damn it. I wish we were recording this. Um, and, and did that really happen? And, and the thing is, like, I, it did really happen because later that night, John Michael's neighbor, the one who saw it happen, came over to debrief. And I was like, dude, I, I, didn't intend, you know, like I wouldn't have wanted him to fall and possibly, you know, hurt his tailbone or, or, you know, break something or like, I, he's like, you have to teach me how to do that. I said, I, I can only tell you that all I did was, was try and, and rebalance his energy. Um, and, and he knew the kid knew that all he was trying to do from apparently something he said that I didn't hear was he was just going to shut the door in my face. Um, I perceived it as a, as an attack coming my way. It let me know that this stuff that we do actually has more energy um, behind it to, to set things right than we generally use on a daily basis. And there it was. My chance to take the energy Maria dropped in my lap and give it back to her. I thanked John Michael for taking the time and hung up the Zoom with a newfound appreciation for this age-old practice and a lingering question. To hex or not to hex? Weeks went by, and I kept walking home thinking I would see her in the front garden, lift my hand, and balance the energy. But then she wouldn't be there, and I almost felt relieved. I wanted justice for sure, but I also was honestly a bit nervous that I would look like a crazy person lifting my arm up to an old lady in the front garden of a Brooklyn brownstone. So I took the lack of seeing her as a blessing. Andrew and I went right along with the absolute hell that comes with moving in New York City during a global pandemic. Sweetie, it wasn't sunshine and roses. It was so stressful. A week before moving, I poisoned myself. Jeez, I ate the old cheese. Oh, that's right. Yeah. What was that? There was there was leftovers in the fridge and you ate all of it, even though the cheese had definitely spoiled. It was old, but I smelled it and I was like, it still smells like cheese. But I guess cheese always is cheese. And you said that it was funky. And you said that something... Cheese always is cheese. See? Stressful. Sorry, this is not super relevant to the story, but genuinely it really made us laugh listening to it. So we shoehorned it in. You gotta have fun at Beyond. Okay, back to our last week in the place and how I was feeling. And let's just say I wasn't thriving. On top of that, I could feel my resentment growing and I knew there was no way that I could enter my new space without clearing out this energy that started with Maria. So I went over the hex instructions one more time in hopes that I would run into her before we moved. And don't you know it, a day before our move, I was drowning in boxes and I hear a voice from the front garden and it was Maria. She wanted to say goodbye. So I took a breath and I gathered myself and I walked out with Andrew, who had no idea I was about to hex our neighbor. And I started recording a voice note and prepared myself to return the negative energy to where it began. I hope you have a good time there. I hope you really... There's two times in my life that I prayed for people like this on this level. Once I had to ask the tenant to leave in my house. Because Not even a minute in, and she's telling us a story about kicking someone else out of their home? How many people has this woman pushed out of her home? Judy, a lovely, lovely woman. 
and I started praying like, oh God, I hope she finds like this gorgeous man. She got a transfer. And I did the same thing for you guys. When, when I was feeling I nuts because she's telling us that she's praying for us. Praying for us? She wouldn't have to pray for us if she didn't kick us out of our apartment. It's like the same footage, but there's a second bedroom. I guess so. Have you ever been in the middle of a conversation knowing you had something nasty to say, but you couldn't find the right pivot or in? Well, this is exactly how I was feeling. I'm standing there listening to her create cordial small talk as if she had not kicked us out of our home, and I am seething with anger. So finally, it's my moment. She's looking at some of our old stuff we left out on the stoop, and I take a breath. And I start to raise my hand. And then I put it down. And then I start to raise my hand again. And then I put it down. And then finally, I take a breath and I raise my hand. And then I thought about everything. I thought about what John Michael said and how they were shocked at what happened when they did this. And then I thought about Maria and I thought about her life and her family and her stories. And I realized I don't know how much of her toxic energy is stored within me because probably a lot. What have I taken on? Not to mention my own seething rage. John Michael's a hexpert. They have more than 50 years of witchcraft under their belt. Sure, I'm an energy bitch, but what if I couldn't wield it right? I just didn't know what was going to happen. And even though I did think she deserved to know how miserable her choices have made us and how selfish they seemed, hand to God, I guess I didn't want to throw an old woman on the floor. So... I put my X-Men hand down and I didn't hex Maria. I couldn't. So I didn't. But that doesn't mean I didn't do anything. This is, after all, beyond. So I called up my good friend and psychic medium, Asa Hoffman, the one who initially connected me with John Michael. And I asked for his quick advice. And wouldn't you know it, Asa came through. Asa told me that on my last day at the apartment, I should take an egg and sit quietly with that egg in the space once everything had been removed. He said to put all of my negative energy into that egg and let it drain from my subconscious. Once the egg was full with, let's be honest, a lot of bad energy, he told me to say a clear mantra for what I wanted in the new space. Then... He told me to leave, break the egg in a street drain, and never look back. So I followed his instructions and did just that. Well, kind of. You would just deposit negative energy into the egg, and then you are supposed to rid yourself of the egg. And what do you do? You, you throw the egg at a tree that's in the yard of the apartment. You put it right, you took all the negative energy from the apartment and put it right back into the apartment. You didn't do it right. Do you think he inadvertently subconsciously hexed her? <sighs> or no? Maybe. 
For those of you that don't know, that was my producer, Tracy, coming in off mic to ask the question if I actually inadvertently did hex Maria. Sure, I didn't consciously make that choice, but did I subconsciously do it anyway? Well, Tracy had thoughts. If you smashed the egg onto the tree, Mm -hmm. if the eng is still in the area. That is what I'm wondering, because I don't think the eng is fully released from you. I think you want it to be, and I think you're telling yourself it is. I hadn't thought of that, Tracy. That's very interesting that maybe he subconsciously did hex. You put negative energy into the egg. You you then dispose of the egg. And then for you to put it directly back into like the most beautiful attribute of the apartment, which was that the cherry tree, and that's where you put the negative energy egg. You're a sloppy witch. Either which way, whether it was sloppy witch or whether it was subconscious, did you actually get rid of the energy? Is it in the mm-hmm. tree? Is the tree fucked? That I don't he, think you got rid of it. He feels like, oh, I'm I'm good. I've released it. And then it's like, no, you have. Yesterday you came home. And you're like, I'm, I'm over it now. That's true. For the record, I did come home the day before and did tell Andrew that I was over it. I also told Tracy that I was over it. And I had been telling them that for months because to me, it was a funny story. I did do my ritual. And the narrative I was vibing with was that everything was good. But this conversation surprised me in a big way. You retelling the story, you're still angry. Tracy, thank you for saying that. We, we, we talk about this all the time that he says like, I'm feeling good. It's like, no, you're upset. You're like, I let it go. No, you're resentful. Like you don't well, let yourself well process through negative feelings very well. Cause you liked, you like, you forgive everyone so quickly and you like things to be resolved. So, so immediately. And I don't think you've totally dealt with this. All right, Carol. So here we are. The moment in this episode where I remind you of what I said up top. That I reveal a side of myself I have never revealed before. This is a part of myself I never really felt comfortable sharing until it literally became abundantly clear during this recording where Andrew and Tracy pointed out something that was seemingly obvious to everyone but little old me. So, I sat with that feeling of imposter syndrome for weeks following this recording. And during that time, it sparked some pretty existential questions. Am I not the positive, good energy person I thought I was? Am I actually playing a character of myself? Is my version of a midlife crisis grasping with the realization that I'm actually a huge bitch? Well, all of these questions inspired some deeply personal work that, you know it, babe, coincided with some supernatural explorations that would carry me into the next chapter of my life. A chapter that forced me to shed parts of myself that no longer served me, all while introducing me to a side of myself that I've learned to call my moon side. We all have one. And even though we might not choose to share this side of ourselves with everyone, It's one of our truest parts, where all of our intuition, subconscious learnings, and true intentions lie. And because I've learned to trust the vulnerable magic of making this podcast, I've decided to dedicate this season 
to my moonside journey as I'm going to share some of these deeply personal explorations and, of course, magical findings with you. And this journey, for my moonside, began with interviewing a hexpert, John Michael, who told me that negative energy, you know, pain, resentment, stuff the housewives do on lavish vacations, this energy doesn't disappear even if we pretend it does. It has to go somewhere Which brings me back to Maria. And if I did inadvertently hex her. And because I know you're wondering, your girl has an update. A couple months after this recording with Andrew and Tracy, our old neighbors reached out one day with a frantic update about the apartment, the garden, and of course, Maria. Not even a year into living in our old space, Maria just packed up and moved away. It was all very sudden, they said, with not much explanation. And I can't confidently tell you what her time was like living there, but what I can say, to make people move out of their home and ooh and ah over a garden, not to mention manipulate them into repainting the floor, just to stay in a place for 10 months, that doesn't add up. And then, and this is where it gets weird, so buckle up. The tree, the one that I threw the egg in, well, it turns out, in the past year, that tree got infested with some kind of parasite. It started poisoning other plants in the neighborhood and was completely taken down to nothing but wood chips. And in the process, all of the other flowers we planted back there had been dug up, leaving nothing but an empty concrete lot. I'm not fucking kidding you. So, if you really think about it, it doesn't feel out of the realm of possibilities to say that without even knowing it, my clearing and the egg that I dropped in that tree could have done more than I expected to rebalance the energy. So, maybe I did hex Maria, and maybe... That's just what the universe wanted. Who am I kidding? We can't afford that. Goodbye. This episode of Beyond with Mike Kelton was brought to you by Mike Kelton Productions, presented by Happy Buddha Hemp. Executive produced by Mike Kelton, Tracy Soren, and Alex Ramsey. Directed by Tracy Soren. Editing by Molly Mary O'Brien. Sound design and studio engineering by Brian Flaherty. Music and theme song by Henry Kapersky. Theme song vocals performed by Katherine Thomas. Beyond with Mike Kelton thanks Forever Dog Productions for their continued support. And of course, Mike thanks all of his spirit guides, crystals, and honestly, key lime LaCroix for making this season possible. 